here at Physio Matters, we think physio matters. Access the library today and get access to the biggest lot of MSK content on the planet. Watch at home, work or up a mountain to ensure your knowledge is at its peak. Physio-matters.com. More content than you can balance a treatment couch on. Hello, everybody. Jim here from the Physio Matters team, and I'm delighted to be joined by Ben Wybrow this evening. And um, Ben, first question I want to ask you is, why do we care about communication? Yeah, why do we care? Um, because if I'm going to be honest with you, I think it's going to have one of the biggest effects on someone's outcomes in their long term, regardless of necessarily what you do or what we say necessarily. And I've, I've emphasized what we say there because almost we forget the how we say it as well um because that the communication people can really influence their outcomes they'll remember you may have heard this before they won't remember what you do don't remember what you say they will remember how we made them feel and the how bit comes from how we communicate with them right not just the words that are going to come out but also body language uh your tone you use um your kind of your you know, I said about um, the speed you're talking at, um, how you say the timing of saying things, etc. And you don't need me to tell you that there are various studies and research out there that will tell you that, you know, the empathy you demonstrate and the rapport you build will have as big an influence as, a, as you know, what we suggest. And not just yeah. us, I should be clear, as physios, but also surgery, um, drugs, etc. It's as important as everything else we do, if not more, I think. Mm. There's this weird thing where people say that communication is a soft skill, which <laughs> I have no idea what that means, but it mm. seems in some way derogatory. <laughs> well, let me put it back to you. What's a hard skill? You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to ditch the term soft skill. Mm. Um, you, some of you, and you may have heard of Simon Sinek, who's mm -hmm. a TED talk and a business leader. So he now calls it human skill. And I think that's what we should be calling it because it is a skill that you will use with every patient in front of you, right? Regardless of what you're seeing them for, you can go on your weekend course for your hips, shoulders, oh, sorry about that, knocked it completely over, hips, shoulders, back, whatever. But the communication and how you talk to someone will be applicable to every person in your clinic, regardless of whatever they're for um so yeah soft skills i think we need to ditch that term go for human instead human definitely sounds better um yeah. and i can i can sort of make my way through a what that might mean rather than <laughs> soft skill which <laughs> the only thing i ever think about soft skill is it sounds like soft scoop ice cream <laughs> yeah. um it still doesn't mean anything in a communication context I, where did it even come from i've no I idea said, i've no idea either um and again so uh, and what makes what are other soft skills knows so yeah let's go with human skills from now human on skills. I think. yeah no great um i was talking um i had a podcast recently we were talking about behavior change yeah, yeah. and that's something that we likely want to do with every patient yeah. um and where do you see the role of communication um in the, the sort of specifically within the context of the co health consultation so you know you you often hear about 
oh, that person had a poor bedside manner or mm. um, I remember working with a consultant once and they were like, the, you patients would could be, would say, oh, I, he knows what he's talking about, but I don't like him. Mm. Um, how much do you think is getting across the information and how much is rapport building or are they both the same thing? Um, no, they're separate um, because I could give you lots of information, right? A, we know patients remember very little of what we say. Uh, B, have you heard of the phrase, uh, facts don't care about your feelings? Yeah. Right? In all the science. Well, flip it. Feelings don't also care about your facts. Okay. Someone could have very ingrained feelings and beliefs about something. You could have the best reasoning in the world for why they do this. They need to change and you give them all the reasons why. But if you're giving it, as you said there, delivering it in a their way that they're not going to take in or you're not building any trust or rapport it's going to go in one ear and out the other so the rapport is key for a yeah adherence to whatever you're suggesting and the change um but i'm also a feeling where we're not just in the um, the business of behavior change i think we're also in the business of belief change because people can change their behaviors. Yeah, you can tell someone you must do this and otherwise this will happen and they'll go and do it, right? For that short term uh, extrinsic force, oh, okay, I must do this. But then if there's no internal driver, right? And I think, oh, I'm not, in they don't enjoy it or it doesn't fit with their lifestyle or whatever it is, it's not going to carry on. But if you built rapport, trust, and discussed it with them in a way that suits them at the time, because not all behavior change needs to take place immediately. Sometimes you need to go away and think about it, but someone can change their behavior. But if they've still got that ingrained belief of, oh, my disc's out. Oh, if I do this, my disc's going to degenerate. It's going to get worse. I've got this osteoarthritic knee. You know, they tell me to do these exercises, but it's just going to wear it out more. That you could have the best behavior change ideas in the world, but if they've still got that belief, they're not going to go very far. Um, and it's your, as I said, the skills you're going to use, and it's not just what you say, but more how you say it, um, with the words you use, your tone, your body language, that really will be help drive that, um, belief change. Because if they like you and get on with you and trust you and think you're an expert, they're more likely to change those beliefs as a result. Mm. Um, we should be clear that no belief or behavior suddenly changes takes time and they often need to go away and think about it um and especially if it's quite ingrained beliefs um people need to reflect and they may need to hear it several times etc um but the you know no words very few words will make a big impact but how you deliver it um and the timing of it and the tone etc will have the bigger impact mm. yeah and so tell us a little bit about you um we've talked prior to to this i know what specialty you sort of work in but um tell us a little bit about you why you've ended up being interested in communication and those kinds of things and um why have we asked you to be on therapy live in a few weeks time <laughs> okay so i uh work as a pain clinic uh down in cambridge in the uk uh we see obviously people with persistent pain um we are uh, for those that don't know in a pain clinic you're generally the last line of support for someone with a persistent pain condition after they've already seen two or three physios already 
maybe injections, maybe surgery, various scans and imaging, etc., various drugs. Um, and I've been doing that now for four years. Um, but I was doing general MSK for five years before that. Uh, and to answer your question about the communication, um, when I graduated, I'll tell you now, I did not like the idea of MSK and pain at all. If you would have asked me graduating, what would you be doing? I'd have told you I'll be on IC unit doing suction and bagging and all that stuff. Um, my father-in-law gave me or suggested the book of uh, how to win friends and influence people. Mm-hmm. Um, which I read in the gap between when you qualify and then you start working. And that really a, is the best book I've ever read. And I think it got me into stuff that we didn't cover at the time. We just didn't know much about. And I was kind of really interested at the time, initially in the kind of behavior change and the um, uh, persuasion side of things, we call it that. Um, and around the time I started working in the pain clinic I'm in now, um, the University of Cambridge is across the road from where I am. And every medical school has something called a, a what I want to call it, a clinical communication skills or a communication skills teaching or something like that. And it's part of the medical program for teaching. So our students at Cambridge do at least over 60 hours of communication teaching over their three teaching years. Got into it and was and at first I thought I'd just do all the behavior change stuff and everything else to the rest. Uh, But then you start opening your eyes and I started doing about breaking bad news uh, and shared decision making and um, other sessions that are a bit more outside physio. And I thought as I'm doing this, God, where is this for us? Um, I don't know about you, Jack, but I was told what to say at uni, like mm. the subject of questions, where's your pain, what your agony and is, da, 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 da. Um, I was not taught how you manage someone who's angry or depressed or suicidal or who's uh, not accepting or resistant, whatever it is. Um, and I thought, wow, this is stuff that is really important for us but isn't, it's kind of one of those things, oh, you'll get it as you start working, you'll get the experience. Um, and I got more and more into it. And now um, I do my clinical job. And then uh, we'll say on average one day a week during the clinical term, I'm there at the clinical school teaching uh, what we call clinical communication skills, mm. which is the fancy way of saying how to talk to patients uh, to our medical students. That's at Cambridge and a, a bit at UEA as well. Yeah, brilliant. That's, I mean, you're you're totally right. I mean, I I don't remember being taught those things certainly at university. Um, and as somebody who is more socially inept than the average person, um, I feel like it did take me a long time to um to to find my way in uh, in that kind of um uh, environment. And definitely, I've been guilty of um, lecturing patients before in the past for sure. Um, when we have when therapy lives uh, on in a couple of weeks um you're doing quite a, a really interesting talk i think um for me and the title of it you've just sent me over so i've got it in front of me i need a scan making difficult conversations easier but what you're going to talk about is the interesting thing to me which is the almost the mechanics of the conversation yeah do you want to give us just a little bit of a teaser as to what that's going to yeah. going to include because i i don't know if most people you've alluded to a few things but i don't know if most people actually will even go as far as knowing what that's even going to include yeah so 
this is going to sound weird for a communicationist uh, teaching. I'm not going to tell you what to say, <laughs> okay? <laughs> because I'll be using the example in this of the patient coming in, demanding the scan. You've probably all been there before. I must have this. You need to know what's going on. How can you know without seeing the scan? We've all been there. And it's difficult. And we have lots of research and papers on what to say after someone's mm -hmm. had the scan, right? Uh, about age-related findings and using various graphs that have pictures and all this stuff, which is great. But there's not really much to do or say when when someone comes in demanding it you don't really have the stuff for that or the papers so and again I can't, i'm not going to say what to say because there are a million and one reasons why we do or don't scan people and obviously people watching have their different specialities and their different re uh, type of people that they see but the principles of what i'll be discussing will carry you through most difficult conversations so although we're using the example of the person demanding the scan it can be applied to breaking bad news about a diagnosis or a prognosis about telling someone it's going to be a, a long-term condition um, or telling someone, you know, we've discussed this with the surgical team. They don't think it's going to be suitable for surgery. That's from our side, good news from their side. If you've got someone who's holding out hope for this thing, that, that's bad news for them. Right. And so are we discussing how um, we can give a little teaser. So the three sections will be, uh, timing, tone, and speed. So when you say, how you say, and the speed of saying. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll pick one and stick it in now as a teaser. Let's go with uh, one of the sections of the tone. Um, you've heard of, uh, for voice, have you heard about the term inflection? Mm -hmm. Yep. What do you know? uh the up and down of up your down. yeah so um that would be how i would describe it but maybe the emphasis you put on certain words or syllables yeah so you're right you can go inflect down and down is when you do this right you come mm -hmm. to the end of it. it's like a full stop you're saying your words but the going down is basically saying this is the situation we're moving on i'm, I'm you're not wanting a response so to speak or a small response um now the other side is going up. So going up like this and people, when they hear that, they'll go uh, and they want to fill the gap. Yeah. And that's, that's great for when you want to get people involved. You want to get patients to open up and tell us their stories, etc. So you might say, what's been going on? Tell me your story, etc. And people are more likely to go with it. But you go down if you want to make a point. Mm. So your diagnosis is this situation is this both have their uses okay it's not i'm not going to say one's bad and one's wrong um you know one's because they can be used suitably for whatever you're trying to do um but as i say generally if you want to make a firm point then you go down and if you want to get someone to say repeat or say more back you go up um and then there's a lot there's more we'll say during the day but there's a tease for you it's <laughs> one that people can try now uh it doesn't have to and a lot of this i'm going to be honest you can apply not just with the patients, but obviously mm. staff and also anywhere else in life you talk to people, which is hopefully a lot of the time. Um, and as I say, it's I'm not going to be saying what to say um, because we've all got our patter and all our spiel and different things we say. But these principles of the how which we're going through should carry you through and uh, any difficult conversation you have. Mm. Brilliant. And does, does that... Um particularly with inflection, as you just mentioned, does that carry over to 
sometimes you'll see uh it's usually done with an image but this sort of um assumption that healthcare professionals will be a bit um I'm trying to think of the word but a little bit didactic to patients and they talk down to them so you mm. often see that you know the therapist or the doctor sitting higher than the patient or behind a desk yeah. um and does that whole thing play into so if you like you said if you inflect down and end the point um you're sort of this is this is my this is my opinion and that's the only opinion um is is does all that sort of merge in together yeah i mean you were saying about positioning right so physio uh, cubicles are generally from all the ones i've been in naturally set up a bit better because you're side on mm. so like you're sitting at your computer whatever it is and the person is to the side of you which is a much more kind of productive or uh, way of working and getting them on side of you no pun intended uh than like looking if you're across it's a bit more confrontational um the downtone especially if it's really for example with breaking bad news um if i was to say you're diag you've spoke with the spinal surgeons they've decided that surgery is not indicated in this case it's very much this is what they've said mm. but if i was to go you spoke with the spinal surgeons uh they don't think surgery is involved in this case how do i sound a bit more uncertain confused so to speak um as i say they've got their uses mm. right? now we don't want as you said we don't want the all the time in that conversation that very much that i'm the person and this is what's going on you have no opinion da, da, da. most of the time it's not appropriate but there will be times where it is mm. um and again that time depends on what you're going to say in the conversations you have and i can't tell it each person each individual time it's going to be needed um but generally it's for the emphasizing a certain point and we and for i'd say the other side we're going up do mm. you want to get them involved and generally we as physios want to get responses out of them okay mm. um but both have their uses where appropriate absolutely okay and, and i'm guessing it's going to take quite a bit of practice it's not not something you go <laughs> we're talking about behavior change you're not, you're not going to be like here you go here's the thing to do and now tomorrow you'll be great at it you're going to yeah. get it wrong sometimes yeah, exactly i mean I, i'm not perfect no one's perfect right we've all got various reasons why we are not on point or on our best game for you know someone in front of us we may not have as much empathy or maybe able to listen as well and there could be various reasons in your life or what's gone on that day that could influence that and that's fine okay no one is perfect the people who work with me who teach the medical students they're not perfect okay um and what's also i should say what is good communication for one patient is different for another um they may well prefer someone over someone else even if they're doing the best right things um it may be how you appear or just how they are that day and how that change that might make them more receptive to someone else compared to you mm. and that's okay because you can't change everyone's beliefs and behavior um you can try we can make an effort of course um that's uh, don't put the expectation on yourself that you have to be a perfect communicator and change everyone's belief every time because uh, it's unrealistic mm, brilliant well i certainly can't wait uh really interested in your talk um <laughs> and i am lucky enough uh 
being that I build the whole thing that you've sent me a, a preview copy. So I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be able to do that. I have a look at that early. So I'm really excited about doing that. Um, just before we wrap up, can you just direct people to find more about you, social media, that kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. Easy. Uh, it's my name, Ben Wybrow physio type it into Twitter or Instagram and you will find me. Uh, I think it's B Wybrow physio. Uh, and it's you'll see a picture in grey and uh, black and white. It's me looking up to the side, smiling. Uh, <laughs> <with> me, <laughs> brilliant. Is that you inflecting up in image form? <laughs> uh, I, I guess so. We're just trying to promote it. Yes, an inviting picture, isn't it? <laughs> brilliant. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you this evening, Ben. I can't wait for the therapy live, twenty fourth of June. Ben's one yep. of our forty five speakers give or take i can't remember what's on my head so it's gonna be really good i'm really excited about that um and um yeah really really delighted to have you on the agenda there ben thank you my friend i'm very excited for it do you know your tendonitis from your spondylitis below par with pmr no nout about gout Rheumatology.physio is teeming with content to engage with. Downloads, books, courses and more to address any gaps in your knowledge. Head to rheumatology.physio, your one-stop shop for rheumatology information.